Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. We are coming to you on Monday, day after Patriots Super Bowl number six. Yeah, baby. Victory number six, I should say. Uh, So we're going to spend a lot of time breaking down that game, talking about what we loved, how we felt about it overall. There's been a lot of thoughts in the media about this game, and we'll share some of our thoughts with you. Uh, But, you know, you can always... Give us your takes. Give us a call at 904-87-TT-POD. Leave a message there or connect with us on social media. And so we can know how you feel about all of our amazing opinions, obviously. Let's do it. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the Titletown Sports Podcast, episode 66, another championship edition of the pod. Uh, We are your hosts. My name is Craig Stanton. I'm Melissa Burns. What's going on, Burnsy? What what an exciting time to be a Boston sports fan. We are, for the second time. Life is great. For the second time in the relatively short lifespan of this podcast, we are uh, our our namesake has been fortified. <laughs> Title Town, the New England Patriots have ended the brutal hundred day drought <laughs> since the city's last championship, uh, and we're feeling pretty freaking good about it. Yeah, we sure are. And you know, talk about a rebound coming off that Super Bowl loss from last year. So, oh, you bet. Whew, it was a th- um, all right. <laughs> You want to uh, you want to get caught up with what's going on around town? Then we'll jump into some Super Bowl shenanigans. I sure do. I sure do. All right. Um, I'll start us yeah. off here. Yeah. So, as you may have heard, uh, the New England Patriots are once again your Super Bowl champions. Yes. Uh, this is their sixth title. Fitting that this is episode 66. Ooh. Uh, sixth title for the Pats. That makes them uh, tied... Uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers for the most uh, championships in NFL franchise history. Um, not exactly the game itself. It's not exactly the type of high-scoring affair that uh, NFL fans <laughs> yeah. have grown was, accustomed to. It wasn't exactly year. a barn burner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, you could say that again. Uh, and it actually set the record for the least points scored in a Super Bowl. Uh, fun fact. Uh, But in the words of Super Bowl MVP Julian Edelman, I'll take an ugly win over a pretty loss any day. Uh, And so it was. The uh, (laughs) Patriots flew back on their fucking sick-ass Patriots airplane. Um, Today, it's Monday. um, And by the time you hear this podcast, it will be Tuesday, parade day, 11 a.m., Heinz Convention Center. Mm. See you there. Yeah, get your spots. Should be nice out. Holy crap. The best part about today, uh, w- other than fighting through my fucking vicious hangover, <laughs> was the fact that it was like 60 degrees and sunny and we yeah. just won the Super Bowl. It was yeah. great. It's supposed to be that way again tomorrow, too. So great day yeah. for a parade. Awesome. Uh, yeah. I, Tom Brady's now the winningest NFL player when it comes to Super Bowls. He's the only one with six rings, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Who was it? Is it Bradshaw? Terry Bradshaw? Did he have more? Nobody has more. He, six is the most. He has the most. No, but who had five? Oh, I don't know. I don't care. It must be some old fucking f- yeah. fart like that. Yeah. 
Uh, What's nice about NFL history is like it's not like baseball or hockey even like like doesn't go back that far. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like Super Bowl era. Like it's, you know, there's only been fucking 53 of the things. So, right. Anyways. Yeah. It's it, um, you've heard of the guys there. It's not like oh, this guy played. In yeah. They're all mostly still. It's like, OK. Yeah. They're so, they're all mostly alive and like yelling at you on Fox in, yeah. in between <laughs> quarters, you know. Yeah. Uh, moving on to some of the other teams. Um, the Bruins dropped both of their home games this week against Winnipeg and Philadelphia, but got a point out of both by taking them to OT. So, you know, wins and losses, I guess. Then mm-hmm. on Super Bowl Sunday, they finally got that monkey off their back and beat the dumb Washington Capitals on their own home ice by a score of one to nothing. Good Big time one nothing win. road win for yeah. the bees. Yeah. Um, Tuka uh, returned to action this week after he was concussed before the All-Star break. Um, and that win in Washington made him the uh, winningest goalie in the history of the Boston Bruins franchise. Hmm. So, big day all around. A lot of, lot of use of the word winningest. I was just, Winning, winningest I was on today's pod. Just thinking, I've now said the word winningest, <laughs> winningest. twice. And that is not a word you say very often anyway what a time to be alive <laughs> and i can't come up with a synonym for it now so we're just yeah no it's like that. the only word that yeah. is appropriate when you need it you know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah tuka also picked a great time to get concussed right before the all-star break yeah. had like 12 sh- days to just sh- sit in a dark room and now he's back it's like it never happened yep perfect good work tuka. Hey, ideal <laughs> <laughs> great timing on your part uh, not a not so ideal turn of fate uh the Celtics had some drama this week. Well, they didn't really have much drama. I guess the NBA at large had some drama. Yeah, they got week, in, they got dragged into some drama. That's true. That's a good way to put it. Uh, this week, we were hit with the news of uh, New Orleans Pelican and big man Anthony Davis wanting to be traded. Um, and just a little backstory for people that may not know, there's been rumors for like a few years now that Celtics uh, general manager Danny Ainge has sort of like this dream scenario of Anthony Davis and Kyrie Irving being sort of like uh, the two pillars of his like big ass 10 year long rebuild here in Boston. And then another little peek behind the curtain based on NBA rules that w- you don't necessarily need to know. All you need to know is this is that the Celtics can't trade for Anthony Davis this season unless right. they trade Kyrie Irving to get him. So right. Kyrie and Anthony Davis can't be on the same team at the same time in the NBA this year. For right. Some fucking contract. Yeah. It's some contract. So, thing. This kicked up a whole big swirl of rumors about the future of the team and more specifically the future of Kyrie. Meanwhile, they fucking had games to play um, and it's a whole big thing that we'll get into later. But this week on the actual court, the Celtics have won four straight since they lost to Garden State. Uh, Garden State. Golden State. <laughs> it's a team from Jersey. Uh, since they lost to Golden State a few weeks ago, uh, they beat the Nets, the Hornets, the Knicks, and the Thunder. Now, that game was also on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, and this week, they are hitting the road to play the Cavs, and they come home to host the Lakers as well as the Clippers. And this will be uh, LeBron James's first trip to the Garden in a Laker uniform, so that's something to look forward to. I think that's on Thursday night. Yeah, this is a very uh, Boston versus L.A. week. We started with the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, big time. Yeah, we got the Lakers and the Clippers, and then the Bruins actually play the Kings. Just like oh, a, no shit. a weird twist of schedules. Like there was no way when those schedules were created to know that the Patriots and Rams would be in the Super Bowl. But yeah, that's how it worked out. There's a parlay for you, huh? Oh, damn it. Why did I think to bet that? Shit. <laughs> People who took that all Boston parlay on Sunday are pretty oh, yeah. freaking 
sitting pretty today. Yeah, they hit for it. B- great day in Boston. Some friends of the pod hit that one, I'm sure. Mm, I'm sure. Uh, and last but not least, we have the Red Sox, who, as we mentioned, uh, last won the World Series 100 days ago. Um, and guess what? It's officially truck day. Means that it's the day, baby. unofficial start of the baseball season. They literally load up a truck with all of their equipment at Fenway Park. Uh, they head on down to Florida for spring training. Um, and I think pitchers and catchers report in about nine days. Nice. Typically, this is the day you'll see Sox fans like standing outside of Fenway Park and like cheering on the truck. But with all the fanfare around the Super Bowl, I actually didn't see any coverage of it today. So, uh, I, yeah, I just woke up to, to woke up to a text from the biggest Red Sox fan I know that says it's truck day, baby. Um, I actually, I, I really like the, uh, I really like the sort of like, um, what's the word? Not symmetry, but just like, you know, the fact that like the last day of the NFL season, the fucking truck leaves. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, it, the last day of our NFL season for many, many teams, it ended well, six right. weeks the la- ago. Yeah, but you know what I mean. I know. It's perfect. That's why we for love For some being teams, here. by that measure, it never even started. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, let's 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 get into the Super Bowl. It was a uh, it was an interesting game. I mean, it was yeah. really an unusual type of football game that you really don't see that much anymore in the NFL, where just two really good teams smack heads, and you know neither team is like leaking a drop. I mean, the thirteen three final score, like that's crazy to me. Yeah, it that was unlike any Super Bowl I've seen before, and. A complete 180 from where we were predicting that game. Even when you looked at like what analysts were predicting, everyone was looking for a high scoring game. Like, yeah, the over under was like 56, like, 57 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Like it wasn't supposed to be a defense game. These are like the you know first and second offenses in the league or something like that. Like it was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah, wild. I mean, I. I I can see why a lot of people, and we'll get into this a little bit later also, I can see why a lot of people are talking about how it was a boring game. I can imagine if you were a neutral observer of this game, you weren't exactly on the edge of your seat. As Patriots fans, I mean, I certainly was on the edge of my seat, action or no action. I mean, the fact that it was a a one-score game the entire night until the fucking, you know, 30-second mark when Guskowski finally uh, successfully (laughs) kicked a field goal. Um, he had kicked one. You know, I mean, that was that. like I, I, I was. So, I'm just like so shell shocked after watching years of the Patriots having like bad defense that like, you know, once the third quarter rolls around into the fourth, like I'm like you know sitting there like they can't possibly yeah. Keep shove it down their throats the entire game. Like they can't do this for 60 minutes. Like they're gonna surely the Rams will score a touchdown at some point. Yeah, and, it, just, uh, it, it was, was not the case. It kept feeling like the other shoe was about to drop the entire game. Yeah, oh my God, like, big time. This isn't how this is supposed to go. And what's weird is that, and maybe this is like still that old school Bostonian in me, is like I didn't feel like it was going to happen for the Patriots. I just kept waiting for our defense to blow it. Not oh, the yeah, Rams that's what defense. I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, I was like, yeah, I mean, the Patriots, you know, once they even get into the second half, I was like, fine with it. You know, similar to the Kansas City game. It's like, okay, like, you're going to tell me that the Pats D can hold an elite offense to zero points for one half of the entire game? I'll take it. Right. Even if the fucking wheels come off in the second half and they go on a scoring spree, like, whatever. Like, they've done their job at this point. Right. Um, so, yeah, I was totally waiting for that other shoe to drop. Uh, because yeah, I mean, there was. I just was convinced that this couldn't possibly last all night. 
just just on like a human level like like literally like just the exhaustion for the players on the defensive side of the ball on both teams just being out there all night like that's you know yeah but it's got to catch up with you eventually well but neither team was really like going on long runs so while the defense was out there a lot they were almost like quick possessions you know what i mean like the rams went three and out a a shit ton of times i think the guy that saw the most action on their field was their punter yeah, Hecker, dude. Hecker was booming those things all night, Ryan. I Allen kept too. waiting for a trick play with that guy, and I get so nervous every time he came every, out. Every, <laughs> every single time. time they went back to punk, uh, punt, I was like, watch the fake. <laughs> me, me too. And I kept never, yelling at the like, teammate. Did you ever like, watch games with like the guy who always says that? Like, watch yeah. the fake here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like always a pretty annoying, here, mostly. Here comes a flea take. flicker. And you're like, they're uh, not yeah, doing yeah, a flea yeah. flicker. What are you, stupid? Yeah, I kept doing it too. I was like, Oh my god, he's got Watch they're gonna fake, fake it. They're gonna fake it. I, I had literally said early in the game, I was like, I I would if I was the like special teams coach of the Patriots, I would just say, Boys, we're not block, we're not blocking any punts tonight. Like, we're just gonna play for the fake every time. Like yeah. forget it. We're not gonna block a punt. Just forget about it. Don't worry about it. You know, but we're also not gonna get caught with our pants down on a fucking fake punt. Fuck that right. shit. Right. We're not gonna get tricked by something that we've seen him pull before. Yeah. Ugh. I'm glad so we had the same I've anxiety. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So I've got something of an opening take here. Yeah. Uh, just on, I was listening, you know, obviously as many of our listeners and you, of course, know I'm like a chronic sports radio listener. And I had nothing to do today other than sit around in my own fucking hangover misery. So <laughs> I listened to a lot of talk just about like, you know, obviously in this, uh, you know, run of like unprecedented fucking dominant domination Across all sports, but particularly, you know, within uh, the Patriots, within football, like, you sort of sometimes have to step back and realize, like, the things that are happening are just, like, so fucking unusual. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's happened a million times at this point that it's, like, you can just, like, rattle them off, but, like, you know, teams don't come back from 28-3 to in in any game, no less the Super Bowl. Teams don't fucking, just, like, the things that happen to this Brady Belichick Patriots things like they don't happen and the in th- this one this year is the back-to-back Super Bowl thing I mean like you we've seen some teams go back-to-back and win uh we've seen some teams go back-to-back where the first one's a win the second one's a loss yep. obviously the Patriots did that last year um mm-hmm. and but the the idea of losing a Super Bowl and then going back to the Super Bowl the following year that hasn't happened in forever. That hasn't happened since the early '90s where the Bills did it. I think four in a row, right? And yeah, they lost all four. Yeah, and yeah. before that, it hadn't happened since that uh, early '70s Dolphins team, the undefeated Dolphins team, the year they were undefeated was after they had lost the Super Bowl the prior year. Mm-hmm. So, like, this fucking does it just doesn't happen. Like, that's just not how the NFL is. Right, and like. Think about how many teams, like just personally, like as Patriots fans, we've watched lose and they absolutely like it's a devastating thing losing Super Bowls. Like, like who's heard from the Atlanta Falcons since 28 to 3, right? right? Like they're dead. They're it's a, it's a wasteland. Like it's over, you know, they have a like, beautiful what the Seahawks, what what they do that really they were they were I think they did a nice job last night of highlighting that because they it did look like a wonderful place to watch yeah, a football yeah. game. <laughs> and like, but like, you know, the Seahawks after Malcolm Butler, like that, that literally like shattered their brains. Yeah. Like that, like broke the franchise. Like it divided the locker room and there's people who are with Pete Carroll and against Pete Carroll. And it's just like, you know, 
and 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 the the craziest part is is like we had that moment. Like that moment happened to us right. last year. Right. Benching Malcolm Butler benching Malcolm Butler, excuse me, is up right up there with you know, throwing on the one yard line instead of handing off to Marshawn Lynch or blowing a 28 to three lead in the third quarter of a Super Bowl. Like that yeah. was like a massive and singular failure and decision of one guy, the head coach, and to just be able to say, like, put that in the rear view and come back and go back to the Super Bowl and win the damn thing is just insane to me. Insane. Yeah. And it's not like they came back out of the gate strong. Right. Like there was so much controversy in the offseason, Brady and Belichick. And like, could this be the end for them? And Brady and Gronk not come into, you know, voluntary OTAs. Oh, right. God, yeah. And there was just so much. And you were like, oh, this is how it happens. Like, this is why the team that loses the Super Bowl doesn't make it back. Sometimes yeah, even the, the, to the playoffs it, totally. with like very similar rosters. It's because there's so much emotion and such a letdown from that loss that it, it, it's like, hard to stay together and it's hard to like get over it in some ways. Yeah, absolutely. You're 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 100% right. This this season, the off season and then into the preseason and through the regular season had all, had all the trappings of a Super Bowl hangover. Like yeah. you couldn't have drawn it up any better from a devastating Super Bowl loss. So what do you have after that? You have division in the locker room. You have Rob Gronkowski, you know, commenting on Malcolm Butler's Instagram, and we're all talking about that. You mm -hmm. have Brady putting out videos, and Belichick fucking getting books written about him and putting out articles yeah. with Seth Wickersham, and then you have the fucking offseason, and Brady's not there, and Gronk isn't there, and then they, you know, they kind of weren't very good by their own standards this year. They can't right. fucking win on the road. They lose a bunch of players in the offseason also that they didn't really, like, replenish. Danny Amendola, Nate Solder, fucking, uh, what's-his-face, Deion Lewis. Like, it, it just had every everything about it was like, oh, yeah, well, I mean, I guess this is what happens when that happens. <laughs> I <laughs> like, guess this is how the other half lives. Yeah, totally. And, and, and really, it didn't look like that script had been flipped until the Chargers game. And then we said, holy fuck. Yeah, where did this team really just come from? Good. That that was a different um, kind of game. Yeah, but I mean it's 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 wild, man. It's re it really is crazy. I I think that like I'm trying to think of a greater accomplishment, like season to season, you know. Yeah. Than, uh, you know, 17 losing in 50 losing in Super Bowl 52 to 18 winning in 53. Like that to me is just like I can't I can't believe. I cannot believe that this team this year went to and won the Super Bowl. It's it's like blows my mind. Yes, yeah, absolutely like unfathomable. It just never felt like a Super Bowl winning year. I mean, you talk about the Dolphins, right? And like they lost Ever. that Super Bowl and then they came back and had an undefeated season. That wasn't our season. Like we were like, yeah, oh, oh right. We yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. get better this year. It, in a lot of ways, we were worse than we were last year and oh god yeah and so it was you know there was so much more fear and anxiety and like ugh. and on the national stage like people have been waiting for the patriots to fall off a cliff for a long time and i get i get that like they've been dominant for so long it's got to be irritating but this year they actually had like facts and figures to back up that opinion Totally. And it was like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, and not just, like, advanced, goofy analytics yeah, about, right. like, arm strength and, like, ball right. velocity well, and shit. Yes, like, like no, these guys can't, these guys can't win on the road. Off. Like, that's right. there's your stat. There's your advanced right. analytics. They're losing to shitty teams. They're losing to teams that aren't even making the playoffs. Like, they're making mistakes. Yeah, right. 
the, you know, they, they, this is the worst receiving core they've ever had. And like, then. they had to pick up Josh freaking Gordon, who yeah. now has a Super Bowl ring. Oh, yeah, uh, like, like these, these are things that are just like, again, all the trappings of a Super Bowl hangover year where they're like, it wasn't their year. You know, Scott Zolak in the, in the, uh, America's worst nightmare call yeah. of the AFC championship game. He's like, you know, he, he mentioned it. He was like, you know, people say it's not their year. Well, maybe it fucking is. Yeah. Minus the fuck. Well, and I mean, I think the players were really able to rally behind that too. And we haven't seen this team be able to play that underdog card in a long time. And for them, I think it was, it kind of, as the season went on, started to give them an identity together and bring them together. And it's all you've heard them talking about the whole playoffs, um, Mm. right? Even through the Super Bowl, like through press conferences last night, they talked about how like no one thought we could do it and everyone thought it was over. And like their tagline was, we're still here. And, you know, I think it was probably exciting for them. And it, it probably did become kind of a rallying cry of like, no one thinks that we can come back and win the Super Bowl after we, you know, lost last year. And how are we going to prove people wrong? And what is that going to look like and feel like? And like, yeah, like, fuck everybody. We're the best and we're going to show them why we're the best. And no one can take that from us. Yeah. And we're not going to crumble. We're not yeah. Pete Carroll. We're not right. the Seahawks. We're not the Falcons. Like, like you know, pick your... Pick you know, like, pick your bird. Pick your Super Bowl loser of the last ten years, the Carolina Panthers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like there are plenty, plenty. Like Super Bowl lo- history, the, the the is littered with teams yeah. that lose the Super Bowl and then just fall apart. Yeah, and some, so, you know, sometimes it's contractual things. Sometimes it's like locker room things, like the Pete Carroll shit, whatever. But like, there's a myriad of reasons why a team that loses the Super Bowl would like crumble. And it's just again, like, it's just crazy to me that this this team this year was able to do that because all the way through, I mean, the name of our episode like three weeks ago, four weeks ago was the Suddenly Ordinary Patriots, <laughs> right? After they lost those back-to-back games, the Miami game and the Pittsburgh uh, game, yeah. we were like, okay, so they're well, just another team now. They're right. just another team in the mix. You know, we'll see if they can get hot Good, or not whatever. Great. But like, yeah. they're, just, they're just it like any other team. Like they're not the, you know, capital P Patriots. They're just like those guys who right. went blue. They're another AFC team. Wild yeah. shit, man. Wild, wild shit. Yeah. Uh, back to like just the nature of the game generally. What'd you think? Like, what what'd you think about the 13-10, uh, the 13-3 final? Were you entertained? Do you think it was a good, good night, good product? Um, so we actually got a call on this topic as well. Uh, it's from our pal Ben in Framingham. Here he is. Hey guys, it's Ben from Framingham. Go Pats. Very excited that we have uh, the Super Bowl Love to hear from you though about uh, your thoughts on the game. I'm guessing this is probably the most boring Super Bowl ever, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. All right, got a little squirbly there in the middle, but yeah, yeah most boring Super Bowl ever. What are your thoughts? Uh, mm, I was entertained because I'm highly invested in the Patriots, so I was like on the edge of my seat. I was hanging off every play. Their defensive play was outstanding like some of the plays that those guys made and just how fast and hard their defense was playing was exceptional yeah they were bringing some fucking heat oh, I, just plays all over the field like the the rams offense could not get comfortable out there because they were just getting drilled and on every step that they took and it was like clean you know i think they only had one penalty and like it, they played exceptionally well but we know that like 
defense isn't the sexiest thing to watch. And if you aren't a Patriots fan, like the majority of the country is not, I don't I don't think that was a very exciting game for you to right, yeah. enjoy. What so is- yeah, yeah, yeah. Melissa Melissa Burns enjoyed it because she's a Patriots fan, right. but Melissa Mearns, you know, who's who's just some <laughs> casual yeah, NFL right. observer who a roots Bears for some fan. other team. Yeah. Fucking didn't give a shit about this game. No. No. What did you think? Yeah, Were I you mean, entertained? What was your feeling? I mean, yeah, same as you, obviously. Like, I'm so yeah. invested that I was, like, on the edge of my seat the whole time. But, like, yeah, I mean, objectively, it was a boring game. Like, you could place a, an incredibly high amount of value on anything that's boring, and then it becomes less boring because, you know what I mean? Like, right. If you fucking bet your mortgage on, like, some stupid, you know, NHL preseason game, then that stupid game is going to become a lot more important to you, you know? But, like, yeah, I don't understand why there's this, why this is even, like, really, like, a debate. Like, it's okay that it was a board. Like, it's okay to call it, like, a not super exciting game. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I feel like, I feel like there's, like, this, there's, like, this uh, camp of people out there who are, like, defending it. Like, it's, like, to say that it was boring is sort of, like, an attack. And like that, those types of people like don't understand football, don't understand defense, or some shit like that. Where it's just like, dude, it's fine. Like, it's okay. okay. You can you can admit that like a ten nothing, you know, a, a three nothing game for the majority of it is just like not the most. Yes. Entertaining Imagine game. if that game had taken place in mid November. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you'd, like, you'd flip to some. You'd no be like, "This thanks. is fucking busted." I'm watching, right. you know, whoever else. Shit, yeah, that's the a good station actually, that's probably really would have filter. flipped to something else, like right. Like they probably would have been like, "Let's go check in on the Lions game." Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Just call a quick right. audible on the broadcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that's actually a really good way of looking at it. Like, yeah, you fucking hardo. Like, if this is if this is so entertaining, then like, yeah, let's see you sit through a fucking three nothing right. slog in the middle of the regular season when you're not even watching your own team. Right. When it's a team that you aren't vested in and that you've seen win the Super Bowl so many times. And, you know, I think part of the other problem is I was just reading an article about how this was the lowest rated Super Bowl in like 10 years. And it's like. Yeah. Oh, I heard longer. I heard like 25 years. Oh, really? The one I just saw said yeah. 10. But it's like. I could be wrong, but. Whatever. We're not here for the facts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the Rams haven't been in L.A. long enough to build enough of a base. And like. Patriots are the Patriots and and they I think have stopped drawing a national audience any audience they draw is to cheer against them but you're not like oh I, I want to see this like I want to see this guy I want to see this young quarterback I want to see how you know this team like if Patrick Mahomes was in the Super Bowl I bet the ratings would have been a little higher Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing, too. Like, uh, from a national perspective, this Super Bowl is like a nightmare scenario. Because yeah. on the one hand, like, it was a boring game that didn't just have a, didn't have a lot of offensive action, which is usually the type of things that the casual fan enjoys. Like, a casual fan likes offense, which is why the, the, the NFL has trended in an offensive-friendly direction for right. the last, you know, decade plus. And, duh, lots of casual fans watch the fucking Super Bowl. goes without saying. Sure. But also, like, you've got the same fucking guy with the same storyline, the same narrative in Tom Brady for the third fucking year in a row. And it's just like, God damn it. So not only do I have to watch the same freaking team that I hate, like right. I'm get, like I would imagine most of America's sick of hate watching the Patriots. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why they're hate watching. Even they're sick of them in the first place. But even that gets old. Like when the Yankees oh, were yeah, the totally. evil empire in the nineties, like you could only cheer against them so often. And then you were like, fuck it. I'm not even watching. Like, I don't even care. Yeah. <laughs> and most of the basis for the hatred of the Patriots, I believe it's just simply 
they've won too much. They've it's, yeah. it's fatigue. It's Patriots fatigue. Like they, I mean, they're, nobody they're... actually cares about the deflated balls as much as they would no. have you think. That's what they That's like just to say. Ammo. But That's just ammo to fuel their fucking hatred, which their hatred is based on fatigue. I mean, the envy. same team is on average in the Super Bowl every other year. You're like, okay. Yeah, like oh, I'm good, ready the for page. the next. E- I'm ready for the next episode. Ready right. for the next chapter to be written in yeah. NFL history, please. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, 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 what I actually really enjoyed about it was just that it was simply like different. You know, like I wouldn't yeah. have like uh, I wouldn't have if you gave me like different options of like what kind of game I would have asked for. That's not what the game I would have asked for. But like I, you know, I I think it's this is why I like you know bad weather games and cold weather games too. It's like it just changes it up like makes you play a different style and like honestly like it appears to me that the Rams can only win one style of game they can only win high scoring affairs like so like what are you gonna fucking do when you get yourself into a rock fight you know how are you gonna adjust how are you gonna adapt and like how are you gonna win a different style when you're when you're you know you have to like punch with your left hand or whatever yeah and I mean even McVeigh after the game said like oh I got out coached like plain and simple did he ever yeah but and he, I mean, he's correct in that because you're right. Like Bill changed up the playbook, made things look different and they couldn't react and respond to it. Like they played a different kind of defense and, and they were okay with it being a low scoring game and like letting that play out. And the Rams just didn't have an answer for it. Yeah, there was, no, there was, I got like, not that I have any like reason to hate Chad McVay and like, I don't hate Sean McVay but like all for the last two weeks like we've obviously heard a lot about how he's uh, like the new, this young and up and coming yeah, coach and like kid, all of these shit. like Sean McVay like wannabes are getting hired all over the league like every every franchise seems like they want to go out and sign the next Sean McVay yeah. which makes sense up until yesterday it made a lot of sense to want the next <laughs> Sean McVay and it's just like all those narratives about how he's like this like whiz kid fucking young upstarty like offensive genius and he fucking gets three points yeah in the Super Bowl like oh man did that feel good to just <laughs> like just stuff it there, right there was- in his little perfectly manicured bearded face <laughs> there was a point in the fourth quarter where they panned over to him and he was just like staring out into the field like so wide-eyed and not blinking and i was like i don't think this is going how he anticipated it going. yeah well, the thing too is is like you know i'm a we're obviously not like hard fucking x and o type football viewers but like it didn't appear to me at any point in that game that they were actually trying something different yeah. Like it looked like they were either like handing it off to Todd Gurley or CJ Anderson or kind of going for like deeper passes. Yeah. Like like yeah, something beyond like 10 yeah. or 12 yards. Like I was like if you were in this game like this and like you need to give your defense a blow, you need to p- assemble a long drive, like clearly the deep stuff isn't there for you. Jared Goff does not have enough time to get back there and take like a 6 or 7 step drop and huck the ball 40 yards down the field. Like don't you have to at some point change? Like maybe a little check down to the running back, maybe a little short pattern, like get the ball out quickly. Like, I don't know, man. Like whoever the offense, I mean, I guess they don't really, the offense runs through Sean McVay, but like I would be, if I was a Rams fan, I'd be pissed. Like you (laughs) literally just slammed your head into a fucking brick wall for 60 minutes all fucking night. Right, you just kept, like this isn't working, but we don't know what else to do. So we'll just stick with it. Yeah. 
exactly. It's just like the I don't know if it's stubbornness or ineptitude or what, but like it was just it did not appear that there was any <laughs> adjustment whatsoever. Like I don't know, maybe I'm just accustomed to watching the Patriots like dink and dunk for 20 years. Yeah. That like whenever I see teams that like hand the ball off, hand the ball off, hand the ball off, and then they'll do some like play action deep ball. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And and sometimes that works, sure. But if it doesn't, like, there's you basically have established like here's the short yardage thing, handoff. Here's the long yardage thing, deep ball. And it's like right. there's a lot of in between <laughs> to be had there, particularly when you're getting croaked by pass rushers and you know your your wideouts are covered for the most part. Like throw in, in do, get yourself a little Julian Edelman type and throw in the middle of the right. field. Throw little Slot three four yard. Man. Yeah, yeah, like I don't know. It just whatever. I'll take it. Like they don't ask how, but I, <laughs> I was just shocked that like this is the fucking whiz kid. This yeah. is the g- boy genius. Like what are we seeing here? I mean, I, you know, Jared Goff did not have a great night, and by the end of that game, he looked like he wanted to be anywhere but on that he field. He wanted out. He, he wanted out so bad. That kid looks bleeding. like a punk. <laughs> he was uncomfortable. I mean, he was just getting tortured the entire game between like Hightower and Van Noy and Flowers and Lawrence Scott. Dude, they every, were everybody was getting in there. Danny Shelton him. got a sack. I yeah, was like, yeah. Danny Shelton, he hasn't even been activated for the last yeah. like four weeks. Yeah. And he, oh my God. I, and like, I just, I felt for the kid, like he's young. This is how the big boys play. And like, I don't think he has the wherewithal to be able to like, we talked about this last week too. Like, to change the play on the fly or to like look for a different option that could be out there. Right, and he right. was just getting smoked out of that pocket and it was brutal. And yeah. He, I mean, he, he also did some dumb shit. Like he say, took yeah. at least two that I can think of off the top of my head where he's like scrambling, scrambling, scrambling. Yeah. And like any quarterback who's got half a brain in his head just chucks the ball to the cheerleaders at that point. Right. He took two like big hits for no reason, for losses in that game. Oh yeah, Instead they were of, like he was chasing him around. To, I think yeah. they were both roll out to his right, and there was one where uh, Jonathan Jones just smokes him right before he steps out of bounds, and then there was another one I think where Van Noy, the one where he like ended up on his knees, kind of. Yeah. Um, Jared Goff did, and it's just like, what are you doing, dude? Like you're just like taking hits like for fun. Like I- what is wrong with you? Throw the ball away, you doofus. <laughs> well, and then there was a he got called for a false start. The false start! Oh my god! Have you ever Did you seen know a that that was even possible? No, no, I was. I, I didn't know either. The the quarterback could get a false start, but I was like, how does that even happen? Like, I, how do you? How are you? How are? How is the guy whose job it is to snap the ball? Right, jump. <laughs> like when they called a false start, I was like, on who? And on who? Yeah, golf, and I was like, what is that? Like, it's like a balk, basically in baseball. I yeah, was like, seriously. Uh, I literally did not know I, that that was a possible thing. Yeah, I've that never you could, seen that, that the quarterback before. could commit a false start penalty. That was yeah. That's how you know that like Goff was a fucking total rockhead. Yeah. yeah, like this dude is literally just a puppet for Sean McVay to control from the sidelines, and he's just like he's literally a warm body with a with a big arm. Yeah, who can just like you know. But even then, like you know, he obviously had a tough night because the Pats. <laughs> defense was just bawling but like man yeah he looked inept and part of that is I think him being somewhat inept and the other part of that is obviously the Patriots making him look inept but like oh man 
he looked rough. Yeah, he was ready to go home <laughs> at the end of that. You know who's probably psyched fucking uh, to watch how the Super Bowl played out? Who? Dolphins fans. Oh, yeah. Our boy, our boy Brian Flores, we hardly yeah. knew ye, one year in as de facto uh, uh, defensive coordinator, and he is gone. Head coach of the Miami yeah. Dolphins. See you later, Brian Flores. This was a fun yeah. one. You, you know who probably had a bad time watching that defense play? Hagrid? Matt Patricia? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Hagrid. Yeah, because it's pretty much the same lineup. You know, except, oh, it is like except for Malcolm Butler, which he didn't play, and it's like what Brian Flores was able to get that defense to do that he couldn't get them to do, and then the way he has struggled with the Lions this year, it's like yikes. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> not you a good can just look. Tell, like I feel like the you know what? There's a little moment that I loved in this game. Yep. So Pat Chung, who's like a, a bit of an unsung hero, like yeah. a lot of Patriot safeties, like the Patriots typically their safeties just get the fuck back on any given play and just like hang out and make sure that like they don't get burned by a deep ball Mm -hmm. so like patriot safeties don't get a lot of love they don't exactly like ball hawk you know but like pat chung is a really important part of that defense and he fucking snaps his arm in this game and i was so fired up when they shot they the camera panned back to the sideline like a little while after he was like officially ruled out and he's back like uniform still on air cast still on they, he obviously just like went to the locker room got an x-ray and he was like okay sick i can't play but i'm gonna fucking hang out in here yeah like the fact that he was back on the sideline i was like that's fucking awesome like that's a sign that like i don't know I, I I get the sense that like the defense just really loves the style that Brian Flores wants them to play. Like what kind of what who wouldn't? Like right? right. Like you get to blitz and you get to rush the passer and the Patricia Belichick defenses for all those years were just like, you know, back up, keep it all in front of you, give away the middle of the field, like just don't get burned by like long plays over the top and just like that's just gotta be frustrating, you know? Yeah. Like th- this defense plays downhill. Like they fucking get after it. Yeah, and and they yeah. I mean, it was just a perfectly executed game plan by them. And I think the more it works, the more excited they get to keep doing it. And they probably just felt like free and loose and like they were able to play hard and like not be yeah, afraid. Yeah, just ball. Right. And and like trust their instincts. There was even a play and I was just trying to look it up. One of the McCordy brothers, there was like a blown coverage and Goff actually connected with a receiver and a McCourty brother came sprinting across the field and like took the guy out and saved the touchdown essentially. Oh yeah. And it was yeah, like, yeah, it was Brandon, Brandon cooks in the end zone. I yeah. would have won 500 bucks if he caught that ball. <laughs> Sorry about that. But it was <laughs> yeah, one of those, okay. it was one of those moments where like you see teamwork at its best because like, here's a guy saying that's not my job, but I need to like, I know what the smart play is here. And like right. I'm gonna hustle my ass off to get to that guy, and and prevent the touchdown. Like that's what I need to do right now. Yeah, that was a fucking that was a game saver right yeah. there. I mean, like that that would have that wouldn't have actually won the game, but like yeah. you know that was the type of thing that's all the Rams needed. I mean, like this game was determined by a touchdown. Like it, you know, it was it felt at a certain point that the first team to score a touchdown wins. Right. You know, we went three quarters without anybody getting on the board. There was just the one field goal that stood the whole time, but. uh yeah, I mean, that was a huge, 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 huge play. That was another Jared Goff stupid thing, though, because I don't know whether the pressure had got to him or whatever. Like, I haven't seen a replay. But if he just gunned that ball in there, like, just threw a fucking laser beam, that's a touchdown. He fucking ballooned that thing way up there. 
Yeah. And like that's what gave Jason McCourty the time to like cut across a third of the field and like yeah. put a hand on it. But I mean, Brandon Cooks was standing there ready to basically fair catch the thing. Yeah. But if Jared Goff fucking wires that to him, like that's a touchdown all day. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. All right, Laz, we're just sorting through some other random thoughts yeah. here. Uh, I did mention the field goal. What yeah. I tell you, people. Uh, Jesus. Stevie G. He's. <laughs> you can book it next year. <laughs> Whatever the biggest game of the season is, whether it's the Super Bowl, the AFC Championship game, or whatever, this man will miss a kick. Oh, my God. Was I so equal parts vindicated and furious last night when he missed that first field goal. And he wanted to miss those other two, too. He snuck those other ones in there. Those were not drilled down the middle, those other no, the two kicks that he did make. It's not like there was weather or wind. They, the roof was closed. They were inside. Yeah, you're in a fucking dome, dude. Like, oh, my God. I, when, I couldn't believe it. Oh I, I mean, I, was, I wasn't surprised, but I was just, I just, you know, unreal. Well, and then the Rams kicker ended up missing that last field goal, too, which was like the insanity that would have had to ensued for any of that to work. Like he was going to kick a field goal. They were going to try to onside kick and recover it for a touchdown is the only way that they could have tied the game. They wouldn't have even won there. And Tony Romo was like walking through all these scenarios. And I was like, you're, you're stressing me out. You're giving me so much anxiety. Can this happen? This can't happen. This is a stupid kind of thing that would happen to the Patriots though. Then the guy just shanks the field goal. And I was like, Oh, well, (laughs) well, that cleans it up. (laughs) That cleans up the possible outcomes to one. (laughs) Yeah, that was, that was a, that was a good moment just cause like it didn't matter. Like if he made it, it would have been superficial, but like the fact that he missed it was just so fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And Jim Nance, Right before uh, Guskowski went out to kick, is like, oh, th- this stadium has had 31 of 31 field goals made in the- this season. And even Tony Romo was like, what's wrong with you? Why would you say that? <laughs> Did he say that before the Guskowski kick? Yeah, right before it. <laughs> oh, I missed that. <laughs> and then, yeah, well, because I was like, what a fucking jinx. And so then anything else he would say during the broadcast, Tony Romo was like, you call on that one too? Like, was like kind of giving him a hard time for it. Like, you fucking little shit. <laughs> yeah. You're ruining everyone's bets out here, buddy. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah, well, the kicker did did what he does, missing kicks in big games. I guess there's nobody out there that's better. Whatever. Well, I mean, yeah, come up with another option and we'll see. You know what else I also really liked from this game? And wow. from the last couple games, really? I mean, like, t- looking at the postseason overall, like, the, pa- the Patriots defense was just insane. What was it? I saw... A stat somewhere that they played. So the Chiefs and the Rams were one-two yeah. in basically every offensive statistic all year, and the Chargers were no slouch either. And right. uh, the Pats' defense only let up one touchdown in f- six quarters of play. The first half of all three playoff games, wow. one touchdown allowed. It's like whoa, that's fucking wow. ballsy. And if you think about just the advantage that that gives the offense, I mean, I mean, like if you can keep keep a team off the board like that for half the game, like yeah. come on, that's fucking sick. It allows you to find your rhythm. I, I, this is going way back in time uh, to the beginning of the game. <laughs> I was shocked when the Rams won the coin toss and elected to defer. Yes, yes, I agree. I was, I was also like, by that. oh, I feel like we've. Like, seen... Have you guys been watching the yeah. playoffs? <laughs> right. Have you been watching? They're like epic long drives and i i mean i guess like mcveigh had um trust in his defense and it paid off like he brady threw a pick on that first drive and i was like oh god fuck (laughs) 
fuck. It's there's, happening. There's another it's thing that you again. can fucking set your watch by. Brady in the first quarter oh, of these Super Bowls. Jesus. Man, for a guy that's been there as often as he has, he gets the yips, man. Every ball that he was he was even throwing in the first quarter too aside from the pick like it would they were all high like everybody was yeah. jumping yeah. you know everything was coming in over people's heads like he was not I mean again he's going against like an all-world pass rush so like you know obviously that's a factor but yeah he looked he he looked like he was a little too fucking amped up for this one yeah. early on oh. oh that pit that pick was such a kick in the balls I mean I suppose you oh. can't really get on McVeigh too hard for the coin flip in that case uh, right, maybe they I were guess, just maybe they were surprised. just studying you know Patriots opening Super drives Bowl like crazy drives. and felt like they knew what they were gonna do and I I mean I guess it worked out yeah but yeah. I was at the time I was I was like is this guy serious yeah has I was he, like has oh, he been this, watching the league right it feels like a bad choice <laughs> Any... man big night though big yeah. night sixth ring it we happened have one more call. Oh, that's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Our buddy uh, Dan in New Hampshire. Here he comes. Hey, this is Dan from Concord. Um, I find it incredible that after 18 seasons, Belichick has found a way to not lose the locker room. He finds a way to motivate that doesn't get stale, especially after the troubles they had this year. He could have easily lost the locker room, and he never does. And it's so impressive. Secondly, are Patriots fans beginning to become numb to the success? I've heard so many people say the game was boring. Like a Super Bowl win isn't enough. You guys are great. Thanks, guys. Oh, you can hear the exasperation in his voice <laughs> complaining about the uh, the fucking a-hole Patriots fan. So two-part question. Yeah. One, uh, the uh, Belichick holding on to the locker room thing. I mean, for a guy that doesn't appear from the outside to be uh, overly gifted with like lots of charisma i mean i i don't know how he does it but he does like it's wild to me. He, i mean that goes kind of back to like what i said at the beginning of the show just this team this year after what happened last year yeah it's right, just crazy that right. he was able to do what he did yeah and i think he's learned to adapt like i think as the players have adapted and like the league has changed like he he has learned to like change his style i i also think he does a good job with the like reinforcement of things too and not to us. Like we see shitty Bill Belichick. That's like we're on to Cincinnati, whatever the fuck. Right, he said. right, right. Right, but like when Blowing you hear him at the media, yeah, when you hear him talking like after the Super Bowl and just some of the things he said and like the way he talks about his players, I think it shows like the respect that he has and like his trust in them to execute at their highest level possible, and like he'll do anything to help them get there. And so you like that is who I imagine he is in the locker room and on the practice field and behind the scenes. You know, we just see like Dick persona that is like his media. Right, right, guy. right, right, right. But I, I doubt that's how he is with his players. Well, right, but I mean, I can't imagine he's fucking all touchy feely. Like no, you mentioned, who changing wants that? styles. Grown like, men. Right, right, right. You mentioned changing styles. Yeah. I would argue that he's changed the style of play on the field. But I would, I don't think. He's changed his like style of like coaching, like interpersonally. I mean, you know what I mean. Like he's a fucking hard guy to play for. Like yeah. that's that's he doesn't people fucking say take he's any no shit, fun. Man. Like, yeah, totally. Well, but I mean, I think even like this off season, he tried to do more fun things. Like he took them to play cornhole at Fenway Park, and it's like he's never done that before. But right, he, right, he, yeah, that's a good point. You know, maybe he did learn a little bit from last year, and so he focused more on the team building aspect of things and like letting the guys get to spend time just as people together and not as players on the field. And like, how does that ultimately help the team, you know, in the long run? 
Yeah, I also think it's it is, you know, not that I want to take anything away from Bill Belichick. Like obviously, the fact that he's done what he's done as a head coach in the league is incredible and unprecedented, and will never be duplicated in all likelihood. Um, but I think it also helps to have basically a coach on the field, like Tom yeah, Brady. Yes. Like like he's management. You know, he's right. been management. The NFL quarterbacks, the good ones, are basically like 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 satellite coaches. Right. And so having Brady in you know on the player side like and that's why the Brady Belichick relationship is so important because you know you can have rifts between players and coaching staffs and whatever but I mean I think Brady being the you know Belichick being the brains of the operation and Brady being the physical embodiment as well as you know a good set of brains of the operation as well you know what I mean like um, he's the proof that you can win and he's the proof that you know it, It it, it can all come together and it can work you know it's yeah. not just like schemes on paper. Like it's an actual. It's a here's a real actual living, breathing football player that's had an unprecedented level of success by following my instructions. I'm yeah. Bill Belichick. Nice to meet you. <laughs> All right. So then, second part of the question: uh, Do you think Pats fans are beginning to get numb and complacent with the success of their team, and presumably teams? Because yeah, yeah. you know, let's sure. just assume that they're rooting for all four here. I I don't think so. I think the fact that you saw 35,000 people show up to the rally, I think the fact they're predicting 2 million people to come to the parade tomorrow shows that that people are still loving it. And I think people know how unique and unprecedented this is and that it's not likely to happen again, you know, ever, uh, or certainly not in our lifetimes. And so I think people try to enjoy it because you never know which one's going to be the last one. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I don't think we're enjoying it any less. One thing that I think we often do as Patriots fans, and it's hard to, you almost can't help it, because we were talking about this a little bit last week, where there's just so much data. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's so much data in the file that, like, we're going to do this in, like, five minutes. Like, you automatically start to rank things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, last week, or two weeks ago, the AFC Championship game, I was like, this was the best game I've seen since this game, or that game, and you, like, slot everything into its appropriate place, where, like, other fan bases watch us do that, and they're like, what are you, soft? Yeah. Like, (laughs) you you just ranked this the, oh, you just ranked this, like, the third, your Mm. third favorite Super Bowl championship? Like, (laughs) oh, wow. What a challenge that must have been for you to watch that like you know so like that obviously like that's one of the many reasons why we're like fucking totally hated but i think that's like that can be viewed as complacency or just as you know sorting through all your your catalog of super bowl championships like they're you know postcards from very vacations you've taken right you know what i mean when really it should be treated like walking on the fucking moon like it's like a once in a lifetime like most people never do it type of thing it's not like what did you like better fucking tampa or we went to the grand canyon yeah i hated going to minnesota it was too cold (laughs) (laughs) uh wow good question though dan yeah well that was a lot um shall we move on to our lightning round we shall All right, so Melissa, the last couple of weeks we've been uh, pretty much exclusively football. Yeah. And uh, we've missed out on a fair amount of news in other areas, so we're going to open up this lightning round to just be to be, uh, to be all-inclusive. Hodgepodge. A hodgepodge, indeed. Uh, would you like to begin, or would you like me? Um, I'll begin. All right. So, a bit of an old story at this point, but last week, 
we saw old friend uh, Mariano Rivera voted into the Baseball Hall of Fame with a 100% of the vote. He was the first ever unanimous vote into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Because those BBWAA writers are a bunch of dicks. Uh, yeah, they're, they're loosening up in their old age. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that he was worthy of the honor of being the first? Um, I do think that Mariano Rivera was worthy of the, uh, you know, was worthy of the honor of being the first unanimous vote. I don't think he was the first player to be worthy of it. Like, I yeah. think there's been many players before him who have also been worthy. And just because the fucking people who vote on this thing are stubborn and stupid and apply a silly standard to their vote by saying like, oh, back when nobody cared about this vote and there literally was no baseball hall of fame, uh, Babe Ruth didn't get a unanimous vote, therefore no one should. It's right. just like this dumb fucking old guy thing. Right. So, yeah, I'm glad it's over. I'm glad that's dumb because yeah. there are th- there are plenty of players who are unanimous first ballot right. ha- Hall of Famers, as there should be. Mariano Rivera, definitely one of them. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Quick Bruins question for you, Melissa. Yes. This week, our buddy, Tuka Rask, yeah. uh, became the winningest goalie in Ooh. Bruins franchise history. It's a storied franchise. A lot of gold. Yeah, a lot, lot. Original uh, six. So the question is, does this affect your opinion of Tuka Rask, and do you consider him a great Bruins goalie? You know, I was shocked to hear that he was on the verge of achieving this title because it doesn't feel, and like maybe my perception of time as I'm getting older is off, it doesn't feel like he's been around long enough for that to be the case. Like, I think I still think of Tim Thomas, like, stealing that Stanley Cup and standing on his head, and I'm like, well, Tuca can't have been around like, that long, right, you yeah. know, if if that just happened. Um, and, you know, I think he's a good Bruins goalie. I He makes me too nervous in big games for me to say that he's a great Bruins goalie. Mm, Do you know what I mean? Agreed. Like, we don't head into a, a huge playoff game, but I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, we got Tuca in net, we're going to be awesome. I'm like... Oh, we got. I hope Tuka's having a good game because, like, or like the defense can bail him out of a couple, you know. And so, I don't know. Yeah, I think that I think that stat speaks more to the fact that the Bruins have never had a really great goalie, more so than it does to Tuka. You know what I mean? Like, that just tells you that the bees have never had like a fucking epic goalie who was on the team for like ten years. They've never had like a Patrick Roy. Yeah, definitely not. I don't know why he's the first goalie that came to my brain, but he was. (laughs) Hey, he's he's one of the greats. Yeah. Let me take us back to football a little bit. Uh, Ty Law was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame this week. He represents the first of what will hopefully be a parade of Patriots uh, from those early 2000s teams um, to get that gold jacket. Uh, It's led to a bit of a debate about players on winning teams and Hall of Fame voting. So, Craig, let's pretend you're a Hall of Fame voter. Let's. Do you... do you favor guys who had postseason success like Teddy Bruschi or Julian Edelman, or is it just a pure talent vote for you, a la Randy Moss? Um, well, I mean, it's both, of course, but I I have no problem with waiting, you know, my hypothetical vote <laughs> um, towards players who played the best in great games. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think a good little example of this is like, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, like they're basically the same skill set, but they have the opposite resume. Like Wes Welker had all the regular season numbers. He was like a pro bowler every year, but like never got it done really in Mm. the playoffs. 
Julian Edelman, just the opposite. Like, I mean, he's had big seasons, obviously, but he's never been to a Pro Bowl. But he's fucking been balls out in a couple different Super yeah. Bowl teams now. So, uh, yeah, I think that's what fucking sports is all about. It's about doing it. You know, it's not like the NFL Combine all the time where it's just who can run the fastest right. and jump the highest and throw the long. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a game played by p- people. So, like, yeah, I have no problem with the fact that, like, yeah, sure, like, Will Teddy Bruschi be a pro football Hall of Famer, even though like he wasn't like the greatest linebacker to ever play or anything like that? Like I got no problem with that. Like he was great in the biggest moments on the biggest stage, and I think that should be weighted appropriately. Interesting. I mean, I agree with you. Like it's not a skills competition out there, but you know, I I also think right. it's like it gets tricky because football's such a team sport that the ultimate your team sport, yeah, like the, the Patriots set all these playoff records all the time and it's like yeah because they've had more shots at it than anybody else and so you look at like well of julian edelman let's say or even teddy brusky like their playoff record and stats are going to be significantly higher than anyone else in the league because they've gotten to play in that many more games you know what i mean yeah oh no yeah it's you can you can kind of talk yourself like in or out of it i just i just don't and i'm not saying that like everybody who fucking plays on a championship team should like get in there you know what i mean like uh, what's the guy like I'm not saying like Trent Dilfer should be yeah, a fucking Hall right. of Fame quarterback just because he won a Super Bowl or anything like that but like you know if that if you have the reputation mm-hmm. of being like a consistent clutch success. playoff performer year after year like that's your like almost like a, not that this is a bad example because he's never going to be a Hall of Famer but like almost like Danny Amendola-esque yeah. uh, where like you know didn't really hear much from him all season but next thing you know in the playoffs he was just like balls um, I, th- I feel like weighting that heavier is is appropriate yeah. in my mind. Speaking of things that are appropriate or possibly mm-hmm. not, uh, <laughs> this week, former Patriot Brandon Spikes yeah. posted a picture on Instagram of him and Aaron Hernandez uh, back when they played on the Patriots together in Super Bowl 46. The caption for this photo was just sort of a generic like, hey, I was in the Super Bowl once. So, hashtag Super Bowl, hashtag Super Bowl weekend, hashtag Super Bowl game face. Uh, Brandon Spikes and Aaron Hernandez were friends. Sure. Uh, but this was an odd photo choice. What were your thoughts on this? I was... Like, as if this is the only well, picture of Brandon Spikes from that Super Bowl. That's the thing. You don't have, like, a picture of you in-game. Like, you gotta go with the sideline photo of you and Aaron Hernandez, of all people. It was mm. uncomfortable, to say the least. And I will say, uh, Twitter delivered when it came to this particular thread, because the comments and, like, People's responses were hilarious to read through. You just you just got torched on fucking oh, Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, yes, just a whole lot of like, I, I don't know, like this is so uncomfortable, and it was so uncomfortable. Like, why of all the photos, why would you pick that one? And if you if that was the only picture you had of yourself in the Super Bowl, you know, crop him out. Like maybe just you know cut it down a little so it's just you yeah yeah it's hard to justify for sure yeah i was confused if you haven't seen it definitely go look at it because it's hilarious um all right let's move over to basketball and get into this anthony davis Kyrie thing that we talked about at the beginning of the show um at some point we'll have to dedicate more time than just a lightning round question on this but luckily for the celtics the uh yeah. The Super Bowl's been happening. So this has been uh, sort of a second tier storyline in Boston sports. Yeah, team that's benefited the most from the Patriots winning the Super Bowl, the Boston Celtics. For sure. <laughs> um, so basically, as you said at the beginning, the Celtics can't have 
Anthony Davis and Kyrie on the same team because of whatever NBA contract issues. Fine. Uh, but theoretically, is there anything you would not give up to get Anthony Davis on this team? Uh, there is nothing I would not give up. Weird double negative there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to get Anthony Davis on this team. As long as Kyrie and Anthony Davis are on the floor together in the same uniform, I'm cool with whatever else uh, files in around them. I, I would, I mean, as much as I love watching Jason Tatum play, I would move Jason Tatum. I would move Jalen Brown. I would move future picks. I would move. I would. I would. I would relocate to New Orleans <laughs> if it came to that. Um, so you know, so whatever. And and there's a few reasons why. Just quickly, one is that I actually think part of the Celtics' problems this season has been that it's a little bit too fucking crowded at the top. There, they got a lot of yeah. mouths to feed. Number two. I think we can the the picture of who Brad Stevens is as a coach is becoming a little bit more clear year after year here, and he has clearly established that he is particularly skilled at getting like role players and bit pieces to play really hard and really well together and make it work. So I have I have all the confidence in the world that even if the talent level of the rest of the roster after Anthony Davis and Kyrie Irving is less than great. Yeah. That Brad Stevens will be able to coach him up and make it work. So, yeah, fuck yeah. I I would would, uh, full court press for Anthony Davis, whatever it takes. I'm in. As long as Kyrie's on the team. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's the caveat there. So, similarly, uh, lots of rumors have flown around this week about Kyrie possibly leaving town as a free agent this offseason and signing elsewhere to presumably join join forces with Anthony Davis and possibly even a a, a re-get-together with LeBron. He hasn't exactly... He hasn't, like, squashed these rumors. For a guy that talks a lot, he hasn't (laughs) definitively squashed them, although he obviously had many opportunities. When he was asked about it this week, he basically just said, ask me on July 1st, which is when his contract expires. Mm -hmm. So... Melissa, you are Danny Ainge. What would you, or what wouldn't you do? What would you do to avoid this fucking nightmare scenario where Kyrie just walks and we get nothing for him? I mean, I think that you have to, you have to start the conversation with Kyrie, but I think you have to keep it very low key and very behind the scenes. Like, you know, if I were Danny, my public persona would be, hey, Kyrie's a part of this team. He's committed to being here. He plays hard. Like, he bleeds green every night when he's on that floor. And, like, we trust him to do the best that he can as a Boston Celtic. And we look forward to having him here for many more years. And then I think behind the scenes, you have to talk to him and, and just kind of find out, like, hey, like, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, like, dude. are what's you just deal, are you just, like, just frustrated by the media asking you constantly when you've already said that you're staying? Like, is that it? Because, like, I get that. Um or is there something else going on that we need to like address from a team level that you're seeing and maybe we're not seeing or we're not addressing? And just kind of like, because part of it could literally just be, he's like, fuck this, stop asking me. I told you at the beginning of the season that I wanted to stay here and I wanted to re-up and like, I don't know why you can't just take me at that. Like, is he just so unaware of how his own actions are perpetuating yeah. the rumor that he's getting irritated? It's entirely possible. Yeah, but that, yeah, I mean, whatever it is, I mean, that's a good step for sure. If he hasn't taken that step yet, he has to. Yeah. Danny Ainge, that is. But, like, yeah, I mean, Kyrie leaving, that is the literal worst case, no doubt about it, nightmare scenario. This 10-year rebuild Mm -hmm. has culminated in the acquisition of a legit NBA super-duper star whose name is Kyrie Irving, and if he just walks out the front door... For nothing, 
then like it's it was all for naught. Literally, a little less than ten years of a rebuild for Jack. So that would be horrific. Yeah, and I think long, particularly yeah. kicking the balls if he goes to fucking L.A. and plays Ugh. with LeBron. If he goes like, and plays with LeBron again, I will just I would hate him. Oh, I think out. lots of people outside of Boston and beyond would lose a lot of respect for yeah. Kyrie if he fucking leaves the seas high and dry for sure. I think long term, it also makes the Celtics ability to draw in free agents that much harder if Kyrie doesn't stay. Oh, God. Yeah. They take like a thousand steps backwards yeah. if yeah. The, if he's gone. Bad news. Oh, man. I don't even want I don't even want yeah. to think about it. that's just so <laughs> such a nightmare yeah. nightmare. Anyways, uh, all right. Uh, to end on a lighter note, yes, we're gonna do the thing that uh, we're gonna do the thing that Dan from uh, Concord <laughs> hates. Told us not to which do, which is uh, or that I assumed that Dan from Concord hates. Yeah, which is ranking ranking Super Bowls. So, yes. Melissa, I want to know what was your favorite Patriots Super Bowl victory and why? Perhaps what was it last night? Perhaps. Uh, well, Craig, my favorite Super Bowl victory is uh, the next one. Wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, but of ones that have already been played, I think <laughs> my favorite is going to be the Falcons, the 28-3 comeback. Yeah. That nice. Comeback and the fact that like people still torment Matt Ryan with it makes me laugh all the time. And it was like the Brady deflategate suspension year and to watch Goodell That's have to true. hand him that fucking trophy. That's like, true. oh, God, it was just pure delight. That was the Brady FU tour. Yeah. How about no yours? Doubt about it. Uh, mine was 49, Seattle game. Yeah, it was a good one. Um, short version of a longer story. I'm a somewhat young person in those early <laughs> Patriot Super Bowls. I was like a young kid. I was 11 in 01, you know, like oh, I was Jesus. 13 and 14 in 03 and 04. And at that age, I wasn't like a huge sports fan. Like my family was, so I would watch, but like I wasn't yeah. like wicked into it. I just wanted to like skateboard and play punk rock. Oh, so cool. anyways, like... Uh, by the time I, as I got a little older, I started caring more and more. And then, you know, basically long story short is by the time that they were in that Super Bowl, all I had seen them do is not win the Super Bowl. You know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. I started like really giving a shit in like basically like 2007, like the yeah. undefeated oh, year. So you just That's when I like really started to, to care. And <laughs> so then like, boom, devastating loss. Next year, Brady's injured. Following years, 09, they sort of sucked. Yeah. 10, they lose in the division round. 11, they lose the Super Bowl. 12, they lose somewhere along the way. 13, and I'm just like, yeah. so basically everybody's talking about how great the fucking old days was and I wasn't even paying attention back then. Yeah. So at 49 to me when they <laughs> broke through and, you know, snatched victory from the jaws of defeat with the Malcolm Butler interception, like that was yeah. like, for me, like that was like my own little personal 2001. Yeah. You know? Uh, so, yeah, that one's fucking up there for me. They always have to make it so fucking dramatic. Anyway. Well, yeah, totally. That's why this That's why this one was so interesting. It was just such a diff. It was still dramatic, but it was yeah. just like a totally different yeah. brand right. of drama. You didn't need you last know? minute heroics and the other team to just do something stupid to win. Right. It was just a fucking war. It was just yeah. a rock fight. Yeah. But they did it again, Melissa. They Woo. fucking did it again. Proving us right with the title town coming out of Boston. I wonder what next year's slogan is going to be. Oh, I don't know. Like they did like strive for five and like blitz for six and you know yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. What do you do for seven? I, I don't know. Stay tuned for next week. Yeah. And we'll have some we'll fun ideas. We'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This was a long one. We should get the hell out of here. Yeah, let's bounce. Give the people some of their life back. 
thanks for listening. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on any and all social media at Titletown Pod. Uh, that's true. And if you want to get in on the show, you yeah. can give us a call, leave us your take. The phone number is 904-87-TTPOD. Uh, leave us a voicemail and we'll play on the pod. Yeah. Uh, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Later. Later.